Welcome, bite to big content. If you enjoy this, the only thing we ask is that you share it with your friends, your family, your spouses, your ex-spouses, and anyone in between those types of people. Fantastic episode for you guys today. Jack uh, won the Kentucky Derby last week. I don't know if you saw him plastered all over Twitter and the news and you know global news and everything. Uh, we're going to talk about that at the end because I have like 50 questions about about everything. A lot. Uh, before we get into that, I want to cover something from last week's episode. Uh, first thing I want to cover, last week's video, I wanted to touch on something to clarify what I meant. We talked about YouTube for a long time. What happened? Nothing happened. I just went back and listened to it. And then I saw a comment that was like, I agree more with Jack, but I don't think I got my point across of what I was trying to say for the most part there. Uh, we were talking about, you know, trying to build a brand on YouTube versus like using these short form platforms in order to build an audience. And a lot of, I guess, the way that it came off from me, I think, was like, don't make content on YouTube, make it on TikTok because it's easier to grow. My point was not go to TikTok because it's easier to grow. My point was that if you get into YouTube, if you're a creator that's like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel, you go into it with the mindset of saying, we're going to put hours into these videos. Days. Days into these videos, right? Like every video that I make, I expect to do three to four hours of research, you know, maybe an hour of videotaping, and then someone in the office is editing for two hours, whatever, mm -hmm. and then a thumbnail, half hour, hour. So it, all in all, six to eight hours. When I said make TikTok videos because it's easier to grow there, I did not mean go to TikTok and also now put in less work because it's easier to make videos for that. Mm. I meant take the same amount of research prep and whatever you do, you can make high quality content and build a high quality audience on these platforms and it will take you so much less time to grow. If you went into a day, right? Say today, Mondays were your YouTube days and you're like, I'm going to spend eight hours today working on a YouTube video. Instead, you shifted your mindset and said, hey, I'm going to spend eight hours today making four TikTok videos. Which one is well, going to help you grow an wait, audience? Wait, wouldn't it be one TikTok video? You can make it one. You could, I mean, the, the length could be a lot less. Right. I'm just saying you can make, you can put out great high quality YouTube videos. And also the, the, the point is like, don't shift the mindset of the quality that you're making now. It's not like I'm going to work less hard because the, the TikTok platform offers less quality content. It's like, no, putting in the same amount of work, putting in the same amount of prep, putting in the same amount of quality towards this content, but those platforms are going to enable you to grow. So don't get romanticized about YouTube because you think the higher quality content is there. No, no, no. You produce the same quality of content on TikTok and that will separate you because everybody goes to TikTok saying like, oh, Nick said for me to do TikTok content doesn't mean do shit content. Right. It means do the same exact quality of content, but now you could do more. And now you'll also separate, separate yourself because no one else is doing it there. You'll just grow a lot quicker. To that point, <laughs> if you were to take eight hours to make one piece of content, mm -hmm. it would be frustrating in the beginning if it doesn't hit the algorithm correctly. But if but you make four really high quality pieces of content for TikTok, one of them will probably do very well. I'm even saying... If you took, if you just did one a week and it took you eight hours, mm -hmm. over time it would work. On YouTube, what you're saying is in the fantasy space, there's not even a guarantee that right now it would work because it's so busy there. I think if you were to invest even more time into these other platforms and create, because most people, like, how long does it take to post a tweet? Four seconds. Yeah. Actually, now I got Twitter blue, so it takes five seconds to, mm -hmm. you know, undo all that bullshit. Uh, but I still but, be sending out typos, even though it tells me to reread right. it before. But but like think about perfect example: the schedule release yesterday. All those teams took days to produce, or the best ones took days to produce, plan, schedule for a two-minute video, four-minute video on on Twitter, which is so unlike that. 
But when you put in that work, it is it right. gets those results. And I think of the people in fantasy that grow on Twitter nowadays. They do the long threads. Right. Those threads probably take those take people time. a very long yeah. time to do it. So, yeah, the point was that, like, I know that the way that the social platforms are set up nowadays, it's like when you think of these other platforms, you start to think of lower quality content. You, you think to, it's easier. You think yeah. it's easier. You think you should put less time in, less quantity or less quality, whatever. That's not what I meant whatsoever, you know, because one of the comments was from a friend of mine, Corey, who uh, has a, a YouTube channel, Fantasy Fantasy Stock Exchange. And they love they, them. Love they, those boys. Yeah? Yeah. You know them? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Corey and Danny. Yeah. Very cool kids. have been working really, really hard at it for a very long time, growing their audience. And yeah. they're at... I'm not sure what their subscriber count is, maybe 20,000, yeah. maybe in that range-ish. Um, and he was like, I disagree. Like, we've been putting out quality content for like three years and we've grown it. My thing is like, you take all of the hours that you put into your YouTube content over the last three years, hundreds, thousands, tens yeah. of thousands of hours, and you put out the same quality of content on TikTok over the last three years, your audience would not be 20,000. Your audience might be 420,000. But where's the valuable audience? Like I would still have recommended it's every, it's that everywhere. If your quality if your content is very quality, I think you build a quality audience. Uh yes and no. Those platforms are just they're they're scroll platforms and and uh I want to give a shout out to Retifi. Do you have you seen his stuff? He talks about maybe not creator economy, but YouTube and and that type of stuff. And he posted something. It was like, shorts are dead. Shorts don't work. YouTube shorts are broken because it segments your audience in a completely different mm -hmm. type of way. The type of audience you condition for is a scroll through audience, which isn't an engaged audience. If you write a book, you're getting the most engaged audience, right? If you're an author, you're getting mm -hmm. that. So I, I still... I still beg to differ. I agree that like I'd still have rather have a smaller audience on you, but I'm. It's it's like it's like... Let's take fantasy. In your mind, you're just like... Would you rather have 400K on TikTok or 20K on YouTube? If I had built it from... If I had built my TikTok following from right. scratch all through fantasy content right. and I put out the same... Like, if I built it making quality content, mm -hmm. I think there would be a debate there. Yeah. I'd probably still take YouTube in the grand scheme of things, but I'm saying, like, it might be bigger. Like, if you started three years ago, the amount of work that it takes to put into a YouTube video, if you and, put and it into what TikTok, you're the is growth like, is way BDG's more. BDG's TikTok hasn't been built exclusively off of fantasy. So and we've done it for eight that. months. If right. I put the same amount of time into TikTok, we might have a million fucking followers, two million followers, something like that, and they'd all be... And I think if you're creative enough, you'd be able to move that audience around and because and they're really into that topic. Yeah, I, I still favor YouTube in this conversation, but the point is... If you do want to see rapid growth, carve kind of a different lane for yourself. Because with that being said, even if you get to 20K, like those guys are killing it and, and they've built a little business for themselves and are going to continue to grow it. If you were the TikToker with a million fantasy football followers, like Matt Barry would be wanting to work with you. Uh, all these companies would be wanting to work with you and you've you kind of become the the differentiator. Like we get... Snap doesn't bring us all these opportunities, but being the sports platform on Snap does make us unique. It Like, how could we work with the NFL? We didn't get invited, right, as 50 people did for DirecTV, or sorry, NFL Sunday Take It on YouTube. But the NFL let us take over their Snapchat for, like, opening mm -hmm. night, media night of that's Super cool. Bowl. That's cool. That's like a foot in the door for NFL. Exactly. And, and that's, be, that's because we are Snap, right? Mm -hmm. Now we lose out on a bunch of other stuff. So there's arguments for all different platforms. I still favor YouTube because I think it's the depth of the community. Yes, TikTok my, is building. Yeah, right, my, my, my other point, I guess, was, and I probably should start off with this, was the way he asked the question was, like, how do I build on YouTube or whatever? Like, what are your suggestions yeah. for starting on YouTube? 
it's more so like, don't even think of it that way. Like reverse engineer what you want. If, if you're, if what you want to do is like, I want to, I want to talk about fantasy football because I'm passionate about it and impact as many people as possible, which is what I think the core of the question was. Yeah. That is why my mind went to, if you want to impact as many people as you, as you can, YouTube is a platform that's going to take you a really long time to actually yeah. hit that goal, you know? And that, that's where I was kind of thinking of like, it really depends when you get down to the core of what the question was, you might think of it differently. So how many followers on TikTok versus YouTube? Like, uh, would you rather have 10,000 YouTube subs where you get 5,000 views a video or would you rather have 100,000 TikTok followers? That also depends. I think there's a level of community built on YouTube yeah. that you might not have depending on what type of content you've put out. So I, I, have, a good, I have a good friend of mine. I don't know if you've ever met Noah. He does some video work for yeah, us. Yeah. Um, Noah Banks. Um, I mean, I watch his stuff. I feel like I've met. Okay, yeah. So he does like tech and fitness videos on YouTube. And he's got a subscriber base of like 20,000. And he talks to me about it a lot, how he doesn't feel like he's built a community mm -hmm. because his videos are reviewing, you know, the new Apple Watch or the new iPad right. or whatever. So he'll have videos. It's almost like a TikTok um, like flavor of how his videos work where he might review something that like, gets a thousand views and then he might review a really popular piece of tech that gets 150,000 yeah. views, gets an influx of followers from that one video, but they're not, it's not like a community for yeah. him. So he would probably feel as if he would rather have 500 K on TikTok than 50,000 on YouTube. Cause he doesn't feel, I think it depends on right. what kind of community. Yeah. I, I was insinuating you've built a community of 10,000 subs, but that's really the, the end all be all in this whole discussion is, Go skate to where the puck is in terms of where you feel like you can build community. You can build community on TikTok. YouTube, I think, gives you... I would say it's like if you had to put a multiplier on it. Yeah. Uh, 10 feels a little light. Yeah. I would say between... You could probably say 50 and I wouldn't... Dis I mean, nah, 50 I think is a lot. I know someone on TikTok who has a million followers and they'd way rather have 20,000 YouTube. Right, but I also feel like if you have a million subs on TikTok and you can't do anything or convert with it that's like a you issue and you're probably uh there's probably lapses in what you're doing regardless I, I, of what platform i guess on. it's more so like what's if you haven't fostered a community at a million people like, how are you gonna do it at 20 right i'm confident in myself as a creator to the yeah. point like i built a community on youtube if i started from scratch like zero to 500k on tiktok with my own content, I know yeah. that my community would be strong as fuck on TikTok yeah. if it was 500K deep. But you because can't of the way grow I... to 500K on TikTok because you're, the way you create content isn't that, like, algorithmic. Like, that's the problem. Is No, I that's th not true because, like, fucking... I, I think it is. Dude, I, if I didn't stop posting New York City TikToks, I'd probably be at, like, 300,000 followers. But that wouldn't have created a community around what you do. Around what you do. Around you're not New York only, City shit? You're not only New York, though. That's what I'm saying. What do you mean? Like if you want to if you want to start talking business and BDG, right, mm -hmm. which is equally your passion, it would start to create a divide in the content. Views, viewership would skew. Some people would be like, I don't follow him for this. Some people would be like, I don't follow him for New York stuff. This, this is why, you know, people ask me all the time, like, why, why have you been stuck at 50,000 Twitter followers forever? And it's because I do so many different things. Like, I do the source stuff. I do NFT stuff, Knicks, Ravens, fantasy, business, social media, right? And when people are coming to a social profile, they wanna, they're normally coming for one thing, right? Like, when sure. they come, they subscribe to that. Yeah. And that's how you build 
community is they know you're going to be talking about the same thing and the people who follow are all in that community now there's exit velocity of course like if you get to a certain size all i'm saying is if you start if you kept doing the mic stuff could you have created a community and thrown parties in new york absolutely but the second Mm -hmm. you start talking bdge unless there's a really slow but strong gradual intentional decision to, to like move people over it's just more difficult yeah but that's what i'm saying if if you were to like build the community around one subject as a creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do build that community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying you wouldn't be able to do it because you aren't, you don't like to do it that way. I hate community. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just hate like, I mean, it's the same way as me. Like I would never want to grow a specific platform doing one thing. Cause that's not who I am. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, you mentioned Twitter specifically. It's like, do you try to grow on Twitter? People do. I don't. I'm saying, yeah. No. Yeah, no, that's why. Like, Twitter yeah. seems like a platform that you have to very intentionally try to grow. Yeah, you write threads on Twitter, in, a, in a niche. Yeah, when I follow <laughs> people on Twitter, I do it because I'm like, oh, I like this person's yeah. personality or, like, right. you know, I want to fucking talk to them or something. But, yeah. All right. Well, all I was trying to say is the the effort doesn't go down because the other content on that platform's effort is shit. Okay? We keep uh, working. I like how 20 minutes in the, Got me fired up. close the original yeah. post from last one. Q&A. Tommy. How valuable is a master's degree or should someone just throw it out the window when building a business? I didn't look at the resumes of any of my employees, but that, that I don't think necessarily will help answer that question. It feels like it's dependent. I would assume that the degree itself probably won't carry too much weight. Maybe in some situations it will, but it should be the schooling that that's going to almost prove that you are smart enough to have completed and gotten that degree. So, well, it's, <laughs> As someone who both has a master's degree. You have a master's? In what? Uh, Marketing analytics. In uh, master's degree and has built a failing business. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, Wait, what do you mean a failing business? We're we're failing. (laughs) We need to start making money out of big content. Because you're recording podcasts in the middle of your meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A big meeting. <laughs> they didn't teach you how to take a to how to create a calendar. There's no a, here's the difference between uh master needing a master's degree and building a business. When you're building a business, your boss is the audience. If you want to sell a product or a service, you are beholden to them buying it from you. When you are in a corporate setting, you are beholden to your boss. And your boss might care about having a master's degree. Your audience don't give a fuck about having a <laughs> master's degree. Like if you're a business owner, you're building for your niche, you're building for the people that are your customers that are going to buy your products, use your shit, whatever. Why would they don't get, they don't know who you are. They don't care what schooling you've had. They don't care if you went to Harvard or if you went to Hartford, it doesn't matter the difference between the two. Um, that was pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, you come off with that on the spot. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Sometimes good. I get in my fucking zone. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely irrelevant. I will say like, I, th- I think there are very, I mean, you, you go to master's at this point, I think the conversation is like, is undergrad even worth it for the, yeah. for the most part? But I do think college has a way of helping you with like life skills, just be more prepared and networking and all that stuff. I think it helps the most if you're passionate about something that requires a very specific knowledge group or like a piece of paper, you know, doctor, lawyer, any of that yeah. stuff. I think obviously you have to do it. But other than that, I, I really don't think like my MBA did have, I don't think I could link like a single thing I learned throughout my master's program to what I'm doing today. I'm pretty sure if I recall correctly, the first time we met, you said, Hey, I'm Nick Ercolano. I have a master's in marketing. <laughs> I, I don't think that they're worthless though. I would assume someone in the corporate world does look for that type of stuff. Well, he said, 
how valuable is a master's degree or should oh. someone just throw it out the window when building a business? Oh, yeah. That seems like a waste of time and money. Yeah. It, like it, it, the master's degree could help if what you're learning there is actually specific to building the business. I would just argue right, that right. most programs are built to just like put you through a curriculum that's not actually going to give you real world experience. Yeah. That's the key is like if you want to spend how long? Two years? Master's? Three? It could depend yeah. on what kind of program. Let's say two years studying, doing all that type of stuff versus if you just like went out and tried to do it for two years, even in your free time, you, you learn, learn so, so much, more. so much more. Yeah. You just got to do it. A lot of people fall back on the master's degree because master's during that time of your life, you're like usually what, 22 to 25 or something yeah. when people go back to it. A lot of people are kind of confused about where they want to go. So it kind of feels like a safety net, honestly, where it's like, okay, it's giving me a little bit more organization in my life. And mm-hmm. I can tell people like... Oh, I don't, I'm not working, but I'm going, yeah, I'm going for my master's. So people be like, oh, it's funny you say that. Like, that's how I feel too, is whenever people are getting master's nowadays, it's just like trying to figure their shit out, which is fine. It's another, it's a runway for you to figure shit out. But yeah, I'd rather you go do it. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard to do it, but that's, I think like the majority of people do it unless they have a very specific plan of where they're going or what they're doing with it. Um, Carter asks, what equipment and software do you use for the podcast? So specifically for this, we're filming with a Sony A7 III maybe. The lens is a Sony, um, I think, 16 to 35. We have the tripods are on our Manfrotto tripods. These are the, this is the Shure S7 MB mic. That is the um, pod mic, right? The Shure pod mic. And this thing is, I don't know if you guys could see that, but the Rodecaster Pro is an audio interface. And if you are doing a multi-person podcast, you need an audio interface to connect all the mics in the same spot. This thing is probably like five or $600 and has been one of the best investments I could ever, even, I, I normally wouldn't tell beginners to invest into something that expensive, but anytime someone comes to me, is like, I want to do a podcast with my friend. Mm-hmm. That is like one of the best investments. I have had almost no trouble or hiccups with that in terms of a piece of technology prior to that, I think so many of the audio things that you could use are extremely confusing, extremely like knowledge heavy. You have to understand how to fuck with the game. This feels just like plug and play. Yeah. Never had any problems with it. So the roadcaster pro, um, is awesome. The camera and lens, very expensive. Probably. Honestly though, I'm going to say like, yes, cause I had to buy all this stuff when we built Mm -hmm. the in-home studio Wow, I made that seem cool. It's like in my closet, essentially, in a flex room. But we bought this, which, yeah, it's like five, 600. But then the cords, the mics, the stands, the, all that, like that'll run you over $1,000. And that's before you get the video to it. So where did I start out? I started off on my computer with, uh, you can use a Rode mic. You can use an Elgato Wave mic. They're pretty good. Uh, and your webcam work and then anchor or Spotify for podcasters now is a completely free tool for hosting and distribution. So, uh, there's, there's different levels. I would say the cheapest way to get started is probably going to be a few hundred bucks between you and your friends. This full setup, I would say, I mean, with the camera and stuff, that's going to be for the camera is going to be tough. Uh, a lot of the way it looks like lenses are way more important than the actual camera itself. You can get like a Sony a 6300, which is like probably literally like $2,500 less than the camera we're using right now. Um, And then lighting is really important too. A lot of like beginner podcast sets will look really shitty because you don't have lighting. We have a lot of natural light flooding in right now. We also have a giant fucking softbox right on top of us right now that gives us the lighting in here. So it's good lighting, good, uh, good lenses, but you could find a lot of this stuff 
beginner wise in terms of video editing uh tommy edits these i want to say he uses premiere pro so like the more actual like animations and stuff that you want to use premiere pro has a learning curve to it i've always used imovie for my personal editing really? stuff yeah yeah i think that's cool like there are free tools out there yeah and i, and I personally use iMovie for everything by the way the iphone you could record video podcasts oh off an that's iPhone, a that's a great sure. point like the 4k on the iphone is <laughs> Borderline just it's as good as $3,000 cameras you have. I'm not yeah. even kidding. Yeah, yeah. I'm incredible stuff. So. And it won't make us have to get up and stop in the middle of the podcast. I have a Q&A at some point, too. You want to rip it down? Sure. All right. Question from um, someone to not be named. This is a question for you. So we have a YouTube channel that we grew exclusively off short-form content that doesn't match the content on our account. <laughs> So the click-through rate and average view duration, because when we post a video is fed to that audience, is significantly lower as opposed to we have some other channels. This is the person who gave me the question, so I'm just you know, sure. reading what they said. Uh, like a gaming channel and a reactions channel. You memorize the question. Yeah, the I, I memorize every question in the <laughs> Discord. Um, and, and those channels are significantly outperforming the this big channel with over 600,000 subscribers that gets a plaque for, mm -hmm. um, what would you do? What would your advice be? What would your suggestions be? I'm going to tell you what this person's thinking about doing, maybe testing, but that would have been my first question is what is your gut telling you? All right. So that's a good question back off to ask them. <laughs> uh, I, so the intern, of the company, he believes we should start over, just start a brand new account. Um, I believe that our content on the channel is good, but it's not necessarily fantastic where like the results should be significantly better than this um, yet, at least. I also believe there will be a point in time where YouTube makes like a very concerted effort to figure out the shorts to long form crossover but the one thing that this person's gut says is that the audience is 27 percent u.s and that is is probably my biggest worry is that the growth was outside of like the the core market that you're looking for so they are going to post videos on it like essentially a dummy channel and see how it works the same but, videos yeah same videos slightly different thumbs slightly different titles but the question is do we use a pre-existing audience and push towards there? I was going to say, to, you going to promote the yeah, other one? or the, I don't know. Okay, so one thought that I had run through my mind, and I don't know if this would help at all or be effective. Yeah. I don't know how YouTube works. I wonder if actually deleting your content. We did all that. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, so, every, yeah, stuff. Yeah, so everything, we didn't delete all shorts, but anything that's not related to our content. So, like, mm -hmm. the only shorts left on the page are, like, Snapback Mondays or you a preview. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, when did you do that? We did that. That's been done for like over a month now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was, or, was, or for actually two months now. Yeah. Okay. So not so we don't gain any subs from there. We're losing subs daily, which I'm perfectly yeah fine with. But like for example, the the biggest reason why is because up until today there wasn't a video where I was like, wow, this should absolutely crush. But like the Kentucky Derby video obviously should crush. It's like we have content of us winning the Derby. The thumb is easy. The title's easy. Like well, that's, it's that's YouTube, bro. Like things don't just crush on you. No, no, and and I told Casey ahead of time. He was like, yeah, ten to twenty k. I was like, trust me, no, you don't want that expectation. But I do know it's worthy of it. But yeah, it's just like YouTube will hold you down. YouTube will. Tough. But 
I just I just know like the the CTR on it is five percent, and that's like a channel high. Yeah. Right. And our gaming stuff, the CTR early in the video is like fifteen percent, and then it'll drop to like eight or something. Mm. Um. So there's a noticeable difference. I don't know if it's just like build this crazy library, let those short guys kind of fall off the channel, start to stack USA audience who want to be there for the long form stuff. Because my gut is yes, over time it'll go, but it's obviously frustrating. Yeah. Like we go to Rangers Devils and it gets 400 views and it's unclear almost. We'd rather know like I get it. Yeah. this content isn't good. If that mental space is, is uh, here's the thing. If you don't make the move, you're yeah. going to be, you're always going to be wondering yeah. this. So if that's really bothering you guys and as it, as it holds right now, YouTube is not, not a big factor in your business, right? Money wise, uh, money wise, you're investing, but I'm saying like it's making p- revenue wise. No, but like it could be. Right, it could yeah. be. But I'm saying right now it's not. So if you made the change, what like would you be like if we got rid of YouTube tomorrow, we'd yeah. be in big it'd be a big problem. <laughs> then you would really be talking about a failing business. <laughs> yes. So I'm asking you like no, if no, you were I, to start over. I get what you're saying. The answer is no, not today. But when we pitch these partnerships, it is much easier to, to say have the six hundred to say you. we have six hundred K. I understand they're going to look at viewership, but we are going to be able to distribute on platforms where we have guaranteed viewership. So it doesn't matter as much. I think if you heard me say that, you would probably be like you're thinking about it the wrong way. Like you're more worried about external partners than you are about the direction of your brand, it feels like a little bit. Understood. But, right, it all works together. If we get one of these partners, it's going to create really good content on the channel. And I think my gut is that it will come around. Like we do have, let's say, you know, we start this new channel, we promote it a bunch, try and get people to subscribe. Those people are already subscribed to this channel. Mm -hmm. So we just need YouTube to find those people every time. But right now, you know how the, how it works is they send it out to a thousand of the people and that's only two versus. Right. That's why, I mean, that's why your other yeah. channels get high click through rates. Cause exactly. the only people that subscribed are literally only there for that. So they're like excited for the video to come out. Yeah. I'll say, I guess, two things. Um, this is a very relevant situation to like us for TikTok, yeah. where yeah. right, like we had the big audience, most of it through Ike's lunch, and then when we stopped Ike's lunch, and then you know the whole thing with Animal and Ike, yeah. we lost fifty thousand followers in like a week span. Yeah. We went from I think we were at six twenty five at our peak down to like five seventy or something. Yeah. And now that we've just kind of put our head down and continued to work and continue to put out content, yeah. we've grown. Like we're starting to like you know, see actual growth yeah. now, you know, week over week over week. And we've gotten back like 15, 20,000 followers onto the platform. And I expect it to continue to happen. It was a very big dull point, And obviously TikTok and YouTube are very different in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but their algorithm is probably semi-similar where it's like they do shoot it out to yeah. people in the beginning and they'll get good or bad feedback. Mm-hmm. And it hurt us for a while, obviously. And this is actually another example of that. This fucking channel itself. Yeah, yeah. Like when I made this channel, it was my personal right, channel right. and I was like I'm going to teach people to go from whatever whatever yeah. and even if it's the same content per se the no, same talking points yeah. it's different right yeah. it's it's not me in front of the camera where the people that like I made that announcement and in that day I had a thousand subs just from mm-hmm. people excited about it and I was like man that's really fucking cool yeah. and then I didn't put anything out because I didn't realize I wasn't ready for it because we that was before the yeah, office yeah, yeah. and all oh, whatever and then six eight months later we're making these videos now and it's very different so we're kind of starting at the the low totem pole. Sure. And I'm like, I, I do wonder how many of those people in the original 
thousand subscribers, twelve hundred subscribers mm-hmm. are the people that watch us now. Like, do they get notifications and get excited, or yeah. if it's new people that we've been promoting and bringing on now? Don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And I've thought about this before. I'm like, do we start a brand new big content channel? Yeah. But it feels weird because I already promoted this as like a creator economy type channel. Yeah. So it's like I feel like it's this, like assuming for the audience. Yeah. This it's one I feel like also it's a, a little different scale, right? It's a thousand versus right. hundreds of thousands. Like and those people, it was so close. This one, it we went from like essentially vlog sports experiences versus these were just like short form highlights and NBA funny moments. You know, like they were they were yeah. fr- fairly different. So, are you, all right. So, what's your what's your gut? Like, what do you, so what we what we're gonna do is we're gonna test on a dummy account. A little unsure if we should promote like to a subset of our audience to like get it started in the algorithm or just let it fully go through. Last thing, sorry, yeah, uh, is. Do we think that that will impact, like, does the algorithm, will it pick up on the fact that the same video file was submitted through a different channel and it's going to think that, it, you know, uh, th- those are things that we know the algorithm so well, but like, we don't know these very, you know, minute. there's like a box you can check off that allows other people to upload the same content gotcha, as you. Okay. So you could do that. I don't think it'll penalize you for yeah. that. My gut is that you could start over that YouTube channel. I think the difference between like our TikTok, us not starting over to just go fantasy from the rip is that like we were... We were very front facing. Like right. people, the 600, 600,000 people that mm-hmm. subscribe to us on TikTok or whatever knew our faces very vividly. So it was like we already had, even if it became negative, like we still had space in people's minds with it. Whereas the way you guys built, because you weren't in front of the camera, I don't think it's that impactful to your business yeah. yet. And I think like building it from scratch could work. It's a difficult spot. Like yeah. I would, I would be having a ton of hesitation if I was you, also. Yeah. Um, but I think at the core of it, it's probably more like, ah, man, like it's a big number. It sucks. To, like let it go. I don't think it'll impact you long term if you were to start over. Um, I think it's probably a little bit of like ego. I'd have ego around it too, being like, man, we got to start from zero when we have this big thing. But like, it, it, it's never the wrong thing to do it the right way. I guess yeah. is the way I would put it. Yeah, okay. I think it's it's a tough situation. It's yeah. a tricky situation. Yeah, I don't, we'll see. I mean, we'll test and we'll, we'll kind of hopefully we'll talk to other people too and get some advisement on it. But it was just, a, I think, a good topic for this. Obviously. Well, let me ask you, like, yeah. I guess based on the content that you've been putting out on YouTube so far, yeah. just like numbers aside and like algorithm aside, do you feel like it's going in a good direction, in the right direction? So, or do you feel like it's being held back from something and you're not sure what it is? So. The gaming channel is like a smash, and okay. and this is this is why I think to your point, you know how we started the pod with don't cut the quality of the effort, right? right. Like don't just cut that down because it's not the main channel, right? Which might be an assumption. W- when we were going to start on the gaming channel, we we're just going to do like, all right, we'll play live for an hour, we'll do like something funny during it, we'll cut it up into shorts and post it. And then I was like, no, like, let's do something really strong here and make people have a reason to stay. So we started an online MLB The Show franchise with 30 real players from our community, all have ownership over a team. We're in Discord, you schedule your games, all this stuff. And then we, our editor spends like two full days on the edit for three games. We put it out once a week and it's got an incredible response. Like the first video got 2.5 K on a channel that had a hundred subs. Next video got a thousand. The next video got a thousand, which for three that's videos really good. is yeah. really, really good. That's, and I think that's really strong community. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think that's where in the back of our heads, when we post something on the main channel, like now, we want that. It's yeah. like, 
we know there's a community there because we get 18 comments on a thousand views. And on the main channel, we get four comments and it's like us, you know, begging our friends to, yeah. to throw a comment. So is the quality of content the same? I think the gaming's our best content at the moment, but the stuff we are doing on the main channel is really, really good. And then reacts, I would say like it's reacts content. So it's, it doesn't mean it has to be less high quality, but it is a little easier. Like, we record for an hour. The sure. edit probably takes a few hours. But it's still a little more high quality. So I would say that's, yes, gaming, we're like, all right, this is how you do it on YouTube. If you put the work in, you can foster a community on here. And it's like, should we? Because the, the history of the sports channel on YouTube is like, we did grow it to 20,000, 30,000 through organic, like, different things. It wasn't all the same category. And then it went from 30 to 630 with just shorts content. So we know there's those people there. But we how, just don't how many videos have you put out? We've um, put out long form on the on the new channel. Uh, I think it's at seven or eight now. Seven or eight? Yeah. This yeah. is our Derby's our highest performer. Um, it's, it'll do, it's at a thousand or 1.1. It'll get to a couple thousand. I would imagine. We'll see. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. If is it's like that, that, it's not a lot of info to feed YouTube to know right. that, like to get to the right audience. So right. maybe, maybe we'll take a little bit more time, yeah. you know, that, like, right. That's, that's the other thing. But yeah. it's like, at what point do we call it? Yeah. Right. Cause in my opinion, I think we should just go through the summer and pretty much ride it out on this channel. And if we're like, it's, it's fucked, it's dead. When we do snapback, probably Thursdays now, then I would start the new channel. Because that's easy, right? It's like, that's a good starting point, in my opinion. But then, in the back of our heads, we're like, did we just burn four months when we could have been building this new channel? So, yeah, it's all kind of, it's definitely just a complicated situation that, like, you want to figure out now. But in the reality of it, like, if we're doing this for five years then the, these four months really don't matter too nah, much. If it, it does, I mean, you put your heart and soul into it, so it, does, yeah. it, it doesn't not matter, you yeah. know, because it matters to you. Yeah. So th- there is a difference there. Uh, I think one thing you could do is, like, make a very defined yes or no, like, um, yeah. like a fork in the road. Like, right, hey, right. this is the exact date we are looking to make the decision yeah. on. Here is what we're making the decision on, whether it's, like, we're getting there and then we're doing a team vote. Yeah. If it's a majority to no to yes, that's what it does. If it's yeah. something to do with views or subscribers mm-hmm. or something, then we make the decision there. I think that might help a little bit. That also putting numbers behind things and goals helps you work towards those things too. Yeah. You know, and it gives you a very clear definition of like whether or not things are working. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Figure out what you're comfortable like with. I think that that could work. Um, you said that could work for me. That that was from a fan in the Discord. Yeah, let him, let him know. Let her him know. Whoever asked, yeah, whoever yeah. asked all those follow up questions. <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. You said something. Uh, snapback Thursdays, week four, Falcons in London against the Jags. My passport is getting renewed. Don't like roll, roll your eyes like this is not going to be electric. I talked to Brett. Brett's in. Like, we're, we're fully doing it. Yeah, but you guys can just, like, go to the distilleries, whatever the fuck that is, and, like, hang out in London for weeks. Like, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> Stop. Uh, I don't even know what part of that statement I found more disrespectful here. Why can we hang out for weeks in, at distilleries? That's literally what he wrote was the plan. Is like, yeah, we'll go to the game, we'll go up north to the distilleries. Like, yeah, I'm not doing all that shit. I just uh, want to go to the game. <laughs> but also, why can I do that and you can't? Because we go to a, a game every week, so I can't do multiple weeks. You know how many pieces of fucking cuts. content I make during the season? 
How much? If seven, yeah, but you can do it from anywhere. I mean, not really. I mean, yes, really. Nah, I need my equipment. I need my setup. Regardless, shut your mouth. Right. Get back to the point. Stop trying to avoid <laughs> the fact that we're going to London. All right, so here's the big breaking news is that we are in conversations with... <laughs> I'm talking about we are in conversations with someone who has quite the uh, equity on Thursday. So that is why Snapback Mondays could potentially be shifting to a Thursday ordeal. I think that would be incredible. It's I awesome. wasn't planning to fly until Friday anyway. <laughs> but my point is, when we did Mondays, what I realized was we can't... It really burned our whole weekend. Like, we couldn't go... Like, we were fine here, but we had to go Sunday night or Monday yeah. morning. Casey's, like, in hell about this. But, like, if we do Thursdays, we can go to the game, and then we could go to college game Saturday, NFL Sunday, Monday, you know. Why is he in hell? He doesn't like that? He doesn't. He hates flying. So, that's uh. just, he just hates it. Uh, so, so, he doesn't have to come to London. So, I could, I could. Well, the real problem is that two weeks after the Ravens are in London, and we might do something with them there. Okay. Here's and, all, here's uh, all I'm real saying. Problem here's is, all I'm saying. The real, real problem is that it's the fucking Falcons. Who wants to go to London to see the Falcons fly? What do you mean? Those are the two future franchises in the NFL, like the two faces. Desmond Ritter and Trevor Lawrence. This is ridiculous <laughs> that I even have to convince you. Here's the thing. Brett said it, and I said we're out. And then he tweeted under it. He said, hey, underdog, give me and Nick $20,000 for yeah. no reason in particular. And you know what I did? I sent that tweet immediately to the rapid underdog, and I was yeah. like, let's – Let's make this happen. Yeah. I go, me, Jack, and Brett, we go to London for this game. Oh, you looped me in. Yes. You, needed the, you needed the extra cash? Not the extra cash, but it's way more likely that they're oh, like, okay, cool, sure. if we just send another yeah, big they audience. They sent there. us to Germany. Right. So I was like, me, Jack, and Brett, we go to London for this game. We do a big in-person event. He goes, I'm not opposed to it. In-person in London? Do you have a London audience? Hell yeah. We got to have one. You have fucking We're 22% in the yeah, US. Right, so you're good. Have, yeah. Wait, the, the funniest part about that is it shows me my... My demo, it's 27 USA, and it's just 0.1 every other place. How the fuck is that possible? It's not. It's, it, the shorts analytics are probably shot. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, and he goes, I wouldn't be opposed to it. If you guys can come up with a detailed content plan while, you'll, while you're out there, I can run it by Rudman and Liz. And I mean, we could, I could get that stamp for you in seconds. Yeah. We ju- well, I mean, we just need but a quick content plan. But I would have to plan. commit to it. You get the, the stamp for No, you can't. I could can make a call. <laughs> No, but you could get it done yourself is my point. So you don't Easily, need me yeah. necessarily. No, no, unless, I don't need you at all, but it'd be better. Unless. If we combined our audiences and had one. What if we did three weeks in London? Oh, now. He goes from I can't do anything to the let's go through. I'm in. I'm in, also, <laughs> I'm in for it all. I could do it all. I could do nothing. I don't yeah. care. Um, I don't care. I'm not even going to watch the Falcons this year. They're terrible. Week four. What's the date? Is it October? Or it's Probably the first week of October, I want to okay. say. Because I can't go week three. So, yeah, I guess I could go week four. Games on Sunday. Falcons versus the Jags. I mean, who doesn't want to fly across the pond to see the the Atlanta Falcons? start being more respectful. (laughs) I mean, I will say the Germany trip last year was genuinely the best sporting experience of my life. The whole thing from start to finish. If you can go to an international game, it's just like such an awesome experience. Dude, a London <laughs> fucking pub crawl with our with people that follow our shit would be sick. Do we have London people? I, I don't can know if I guarantee know. you we can get to. All we need is like 15 people. So the, Between uh, all three of us? Are you shitting me? <laughs> to get 20 grand. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. Uh, we... The real question is, is like, we're soccer fans, so we like to combine it, and we would want to go to a, a footy game. 
Okay, that'd be sick. Yeah. I'd be down. Yeah. And they do footy. Jacksonville, October 1st. What is your guys' angle when you go with underdog over there? We've never done that before. <laughs> I know that. All right. What well, would what, it be? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, this is what I was saying. Like, for us, we went to Germany last year. It was head of winning stuff. Uh, I was supposed to go to winning Germany. But it was like, oh, we're going to take a prop. Right, sorry. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we're going to say projection on the game. Yeah. And, the, I and mean, then we could do it for the soccer, too. Do you guys play in that audience? or you're I mean, we don't draft. play in the soccer audience. Like, you yeah. know the answers. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like the pick on versus draft. Yeah, yeah. We, I, we definitely will during these uh, during the actual season. Yeah. And th- that would be like, if we actually seriously did this, I'd want to have yeah. like content planning meetings beforehand so that we know. So would they. <laughs> yeah. So that when we show up, but more so between like you and me yeah, and you yeah. and me and Brett, whoever yeah. ended up going. Because like when we went to Miami, we went to like these other trips with yeah. Underdog. Like, our team internally was like, we need to make sure that we have yeah. what we're doing content-wise. We need to make sure we have all the equipment and stuff. So, like, going to London, it would be cool if we did, like, a pre-game, almost like we did our own, uh, like, when the college game day, like, yeah, before the game. Yeah. I don't know where we do it, but if we yeah. just brought the equipment and we With set up somewhere. people. It'd be fucking electric. <laughs> like, but we did our, we went through the game. We went through, like, our favorite underdog picks. We did all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. It would be fun. Yeah. Even if we did a couple, of like, live stream drafts while we're there from yeah. somewhere in London, like, I... I, there's a lot of content to be made. I think we can get really creative with it. I just, you know, I haven't thought about it yeah, much yet. Th- the biggest reason that you could get me to go see a Falcons game in London, besides the fact that I love you, is our audiences, me, you, Brett, are so different. Maybe yours and Brett's aren't as different. I mean, no, I would say it's a different audience, yeah. right? Not fantasy, as fantasy-focused. And I would just love to see, like, what the mesh of content is and then sharing, like, personalities across those, like, how they connect. Because the only other collaborations we've ever done are, like, just not those type of people. And it's cool to, like, mesh and see what sticks and get new exposure. I think I think it would be fun. I think us three would, like, I mean, you and me have obviously done a bunch of content yeah. together. But Brett's super cool, very, like, you've met him before. Yeah, obviously. no, so we, Brett's the man. Yeah, it, it, it would be fun. I, I don't know what direction it would go in. Yeah. I feel like Brett would be obviously. But I almost feel like this is this is the perfect one because it's like our stuff would be we're doing a vlog of the experience of going to the game and you guys are like characters within it. His stuff might be more about the business of international NFL yeah. and somehow we're in it. Your stuff is, what do you do? <laughs> uh I don't know anymore. <laughs> now, I, we would definitely do a vlog also. I think yeah, we'd probably yeah. focus on making sure that we got live streams and YouTube content while we were out there. Yeah. That was fantasy relevant. Would your vlog, but see, our vlog would be like what it's like going to a game in London. Oh, yeah. No, your our vlog, vlog would our, be we like have behind the of scenes yeah. of like getting there and the intricacies. of. It would have no actual, I don't think we'd have like a storyline to it. Right. Uh, just documentation of it, yeah, for yeah, sure. Because that's, yeah. like, what our vlogs are yeah. right now. Pretty and much. I think that's cool that everyone kind of gets a different angle out Yeah, it'd be fucking sick. Yeah. All right. So you sound like you convinced yourself right there. Well, 20,000 is a little low. We're going to have to up that. <laughs> I mean, they gave away, like, 10 grams for Joel and beat falling down last night. So Did they? How many times did you fall? I, the last I saw was four. That's incredible. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Um, Underdog's been, been, you know, a little more lenient with their promo strategy. I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Yes. Um, Good time. Oh, when did Tony walk in? <laughs> He's been for like twenty. Really? Yeah. Would you? Oh, would you bring anyone from your team? Uh, I would like to. It depends how much money we got. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'd have to bring. What do you need person. twenty grand for? Was that a joke or like? Uh, Brett just threw that number out. I would have asked for like what two grand. Right. <laughs> just like pay for the tickets. I'll yeah. pay for the hotel. Like whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it was like twenty grand. I'm like okay. Like, <laughs>
They just they just sent uh, four six or something incubator uh, class to Vegas, and they're gonna have some sick content. They had NFL guys come out. They filmed really? days worth of content. Oh, that's pretty that. cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know they did that. Yeah, um, don't fucking tell me nothing. Anymore. I know. No respect. I know. I know. I think we probably kind of covered this. Steve asked, how long is it okay to see no success at all on YouTube, not gaining subscribers, or your views are increasing at all? Kind of a personal thing, depending on what you're... Five years. What you think? Five yeah. years. I, I don't know if I'd have the heart to do it for more than like two and a half years. If That's I had, fine. If I had like a goal for it. But if, if after five years it didn't work, I would, I would call it quits. But I, if you commit to five years, I would, I would bet on you that... It would hit in some, you would iterate, you would move to where it works. You might move platforms. Five years, give it five years. Five years. is College is what? Four, five, depending on master's six. Yeah, for me, ten. So, got my doctorate, you know, PhD. freshman year, you, you don't have all the s- skills and tools. But if you go, <laughs> if you get your master's and you still don't have it, then, yeah, it's probably time to time to move along. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to, like, self-awareness, which is it's a difficult thing to actually track. It's like, do you feel like you're good at what you're doing, you know? And it's and I don't think anyone feels like they're probably not good at it. But I feel No, like, I'm sure people do. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think the people that give up. And sure. and I think that's why I say five years. Because if you're like, if I do this over five years, and I'm I know I'm good at this, not just thinking it, but self aware, exactly, I am good. You'll make it. So yeah. that's why I say five that's years. that's how I felt when I started doing YouTube. I yeah. was like, I feel like I'm good enough at this that if I put the work in, I'm going to get there. But yeah. I do wonder how many people don't feel that way that do it for a long time. And if like if you don't feel like you're good at it, then there needs to be some kind of change. Either right. your work ethic that goes into it, you know, different some kind of like environment change. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely put years into it, but also along that path, absolutely the self-awareness has to be raised all the way up to know why it's not working. Like, it's very easy to just be like, oh, you, I'm new to YouTube. It's not feeding me to anybody, mm-hmm. but there's always improvements. Like maybe you need to take a week to fucking figure out thumbnails and get better at that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need better production. Maybe and you that's need- why I say five years. Like you're yeah. going to figure that stuff out over five years. Yeah. Also, what I looked like on camera five years ago was really bad. Like... Like, I laugh at it now. It's like, hey, guys, I'm Jack, and uh, I think that the Ravens are going to win today because, uh, you know. Did they like, win that game? They they struggled before Lamar. <laughs> and, and now, obviously, I'm better. And I don't think – I have the self-awareness to know I'm not, like, hyper-talented in, like, an acting or co- comedic or really uh, in any way, shape, or form. Brief. But <laughs> – but the fucking reps is what matters. Like, there's people who go to the gym every single day who do not have the physical traits. Yeah, exactly. Tony goes every day, still looks skinny. <laughs> Fake AirPod wearing, bitch. <laughs> uh, and, but, like, if you go lift, li- think about it. If you lifted every single day for five years, even if you didn't have the underlying physical traits that LeBron James has, you will still gain muscle. You're going to have a good foundation, a good base. Exactly. And if you're like, why won't my biceps grow? Oh, it's because I need to work on my triceps to grow that. You work on your thumbnail. So if you do anything for <laughs> work five on your years. your tricep thumbnails. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, 100%. Um, I just don't want to give people the easy way out. All right, we've got one more question we can wrap up. You had 50 questions for me. What do you mean? You had 50 questions for me. I know. And then you want, you know, you literally stopped the podcast to do a teaser for the end. Oh, shit. I almost <laughs> forgot about that. Okay, real quick from Jordan. Uh, describe what you want your day to look like in three years. Oh. Is it anything like what it looks like today? And if not, what are you doing today to ensure that that future is on the table? 
I don't know. Three years. You know what's crazy about that question? Yeah. Is like three years feels like tomorrow for me. Yeah. When I think about the future, I'm thinking of I, I I'm like five, seven, ten years. Like mm-hmm. that's a different world. Three right. years for me yeah. feels like tomorrow. Like yeah. I don't think my world is going to be that different yeah. in three years. Well, my first thought was, could could there be a little one of me roaming the streets of New York in three really? years? Three to four years. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'll be thirty. I've been married for. Multiple years, God, twenty so years. Washed. <laughs> God, it's brutal. Uh, no, but outside of that, um, I don't know. I think I like. I actually really am enjoying this like dual create role and and build a business role. Like I think these are the two things outside of family, friends, all that shit that I really love doing. Uh, so yeah, day to day, and my day to day is different. Like today, I drove home from Philly because I. Dressed up like a Boston Celtics player last night. Today we're doing a, you know, creator economy podcast. And in three years, I could totally see myself doing similar stuff. And I I like doing it. Well, um, I brought this up before about where, like, what I'd like to create in terms of like a, a, you know, an open creative space where people can come in and work out of. So I think like a cool day for me would honestly be, I think BDG will still be housed in there. And I don't know if this is five years or 10 years down the line. Legitimately, my ideal world would be to walk into a place where there are 30, 50 creators yeah. like doing their own thing. And I'm almost able to just like dip in and act as a, I don't know, a helper, a consultant, mm-hmm. a, even a video camera, like grab the video camera for them, ask them questions, like be in their content, whatever it is, as like a helping hand to creators trying to become full time. What does that mean from between right now and then to actually like actively pursue that? One, it's more about like cura- uh, curating a network of creators that I would like to be around and that would like to be around me and vice versa that we can have that community. I think that that's big because I don't, I'm not gonna be able to have that space if I don't have a community of people that yeah. want to work out of it. Um, two, that would also mean spending less time on fantasy stuff because mm-hmm. I spend like, you don't, I can't build that community For of sure. creators unless I'm making content about becoming a creator. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's the way I build the community, which means if I'm making content about this, I need to have, less time spent on that. For sure. Um, so outsourcing fantasy stuff and what I'm actively doing to try to do that now is we are, over the next three months, we'll probably have new members of the BDG team. It's taken me a few months to like vet people and figure out the right process for bringing people on slowly. Uh, but we will have new members of the team over the summer. Um, and by that point, that will be like the first step in starting to outsource, whether it's creators, whether it's people that help me build tools that will help us um make more money even at the same consistent level of content that we have now. Um, so it's about freeing up more time for me to really be able to foster a community. I think that makes that bigger goal happen naturally. I think like, do you like the running the business side? Um, yeah, I, I think there are parts that I like and parts that I don't like, I guess it depends really what aspects yeah. of it. I do think I probably need a little bit more help at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, just to take a little bit of the burden off me or just see I've always been the person who's like pushed the vision of things yeah. and like pushed and, and I obviously want to always have a hand in that, mm-hmm. but I do like having someone around that's as experienced as me um, in other avenues that could see things from different angles and stuff. So wouldn't mind like having, I don't know if a partner is the right word, but mm-hmm. almost in that sense, when it comes to like BDG or just like fan, yeah. the fantasy stuff. Well, we've talked about it before, right? Like the Barstool, they went CEO and right. president, right? Still involved on the business yeah. side, but the content side. Yeah, I don't think sure. I want someone above me, but I do think one of the guys that we're going to bring on, we're, we're looking to bring on someone who's 
technology focused, like someone who's actually in the in like the yeah, tech game, yeah. you know, who would almost serve as like our CTO, which sounds dramatic, but like that would be the ultimate partner for me because I'm not like tech focused. But right. if we could have someone, if we become pretty much a software company, I think we will make a ton of money, and right. that will enable me to hire good creators. That will enable me to spend less time making that type of content and making content that would curate what I'm looking for. I also think like with my goals and stuff, I'm not chasing like a number or anything like that. I'm yeah. chasing more of a feeling. Like yeah. I want to be able to wake up every day and like be around people that I'm inspired by, mm. which is um, what that networking space would really um, enable. I think you ready to talk horses. Yeah. All right. So I need to clear up my confusion for the first <laughs> part. So you bought fractional shares of this horse. This is when I'm getting it exposed. You didn't. I thought you did. That's the common conception that we, we're not really talking about. So okay. we got connected with Commonwealth in early January. Mage had been on the platform and sold out for months prior to that. Okay. So Casey and I actually don't own any mm. ownership of Mage, which is sad. Like, it doesn't make us frauds or anything. It's just sad because they all made 30x I was going to say, because the podcast we filmed two weeks ago, you were like, if a horse wins, they're worth 25 million. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know what Jack invested in that, but what the fuck? So, look, Casey and I each had a thousand bucks on on the horse to win. So we we won $17,000 each, uh, which what would I have had in the horse? You know, I've invested in a couple since 250 or 500 bucks. So it probably would have net the same thing. Now, can you get that feeling of like you actually did own the horse, like 400 other people did that day? No, but we ended up, I think, what you further than any of those owners did. I was going to say money, if it was money for the both of them, like yeah. what you got, I'd rather take what, well, yeah. what happened to you guys. We in I and mean, out quick cash. Right. Their yeah. stuff's not liquid. Yeah. Taxed. Um, <laughs> and, but so what happened was, they reached out in January. Uh, they were like, this is a rare thing for us. They were like, come check us out in Miami. We have a horse running. And they weren't going to pay for anything. Um, and so, you know, it cost us like 1500 bucks to get down there. We got to stay with my parents, fortunately. But, you know, fly two people down, spend a weekend there. And uh, they were like, we'll get you tickets into this Pegasus race. We show up at noon, 1230. Uh, they're like, oh, our horse is actually running. His name's Mage. Uh, going off at 14 to one. So we put a hundred bucks on it, paid for the whole trip. You know, he won his first race. So then we had a great time there. And I've always loved this concept of fractional investment of horse racing. Like I grew up in Maryland, which is where the Preakness is. So the point of them bringing you down was that, so you, that you would promote. The point was we wanted to figure out if there was a partnership for promotion. Commonwealth. Uh, Yeah. And Commonwealth, and, like you, okay, so you weren't hanging out with the owners of Mage. You were hanging out with the owners of Commonwealth who had Mage on their platform. Correct. Okay. Correct. Who, they effectively are 25% owners gotcha. of Mage. Okay. Uh, and so, we like, they were awesome. Then we get on a call, and we we're like, all right, there's probably something for us to do. It's very far from underdog exclusivity, so that's not a worry. And I think, like, this is a fun platform. And so... We work out a deal to do that Miami race. We did film content for that race, so we had that kind of banked in case uh, we worked out a deal. And then we went to Ocala, Florida in the middle of April, which is like the horse racing capital of the world. Went to a horse auction, started scouting horses so that we could get like a snapback horse almost to where that would be the horse that we rally our community around. And then the last one was the Derby, which we found out down there that Mage was actually, they were going to have a horse running in the Derby. So we go to Louisville um, as part of 
pretty much like a content promotional partnership. We go to Louisville Friday night. We're with, you know, the guys. Saturday, they have us out. They had 40 or 60 people out. That's the cool part about Commonwealth is, like, they're not – so are you familiar with fractional investing? Like, do you know Rally and the, yeah, these other companies? So they've sold, like, Michael Jordan cards or Lamborghinis sure. or – right? And so the difference is a Michael Jordan card, while it's a better investment than a Donovan Mitchell card, there's no event around it. Like, he's retired. So the only thing that people watch is price. So it's tough to build community. The, the cool part about the horse is, like, it runs. Yeah. Like, you can get, you can go out to the track. You can see the horse. So there's, like, a different level of community there. And so they had 60 people out to the track as part of being, you know, a major owner. Um, all these different suites. Every place is a different suite. And we were up top. The people were, like, kind of boring. So they were like, you know what? Why don't you come down to the home stretch suites, which a lot of their younger owners were mm-hmm. at. Open bar, come hang out. Docs, who's one of the co-founders, his brother was like, uh, everyone had to like take off wristbands, sneak us in, that whole thing. He took us to the winter circle suites by accident. So Casey and I end up in literally like the owner's box for the race. There wasn't enough time to take us back up because they had to go walk the horse out, get him prepped, all this stuff. So we're just like, all right, we're going to we're going to chill here, place the bets. Uh, And then we're in the front row when everyone gets back, but they get back like 10 minutes before the race is about to start. And Casey and I are like, we should probably get up, but like, whatever. Like they didn't all seem like they really wanted to be there um, in the front row. So we just stayed there. And then have you watched the video yet? No. Yeah. I mean, it, it's electric. Like yeah. we were doing content later. with them. So we literally filmed the four minutes before the race all the way through the end of the race. Jeez. And, and the horse was in 18th out of 19th for 80% of the race. Really? Yeah. Wow. You can see in the I didn't video. Watch, yeah, I didn't watch the race. Casey's looking over at Doc's because he's like, this is the biggest day of his life. And, you know, he didn't show up. Like, yeah. he literally didn't perform. And then the suite next to us is the horse disengaged. He was in third coming around the corner. So you see them all oh, stand up thinking like, oh, my God. They all bring out their phones. like they, And then there's just like this flip. And... Uh, Honestly, I couldn't tell what was going on, and but you just looked over and you could see like Docs and and one other being like, "Oh my god!" Like he he finally hit that that run, and then I would say like if this was our view of the track, like right here, here's the finish line, mm-hmm. and right here he comes into first, and so we just watch him run in first for like twelve more seconds through the finish line, and then I blacked Damn. out. Uh, we were the face of Kentucky Derby, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, like. Uh, on NBC special video it, it was in special insane. video so that's why Casey's like can we start a new YouTube channel because if this video doesn't hit then like what the hell is yeah. gonna hit but uh yeah oh, it was man. it was cool because have you guys made TikTok content around it we our uh shorts editor was actually sick this week so we're we're gonna start pumping that out it's next bad week. week to be sick <laughs> no we were more focused on the long form anyways yeah. I was but, just curious to yeah. see if uh if that like Type yeah. of content popped off. So here's, you know, instead of what may sound braggadocious and uh, like a fairy tale story, here's my takeaway from all of this and, and what I think is extremely important as a creator, as anyone in life, right? The goal is to expand your luck surface area. So people all week were like, oh my God, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity or, or once in a lifetime thing. And like, not to sound, you know, braggadocious. 
It's not once in a lifetime. That actually doesn't happen in lifetimes. Like, like yeah. one person wins the Derby every year, you know? So it's not even once in a lifetime that we're going to do that. But the point is, we went to Florida. We created the partnership. And the horse could have finished 18th, and that couldn't have been our moment. But the fact that we continue to put ourselves in place say, yeah, like you guys do that all get, the time. That's how you get lucky. And that's not, that doesn't just mean in content, in you have to travel. But if you don't create a piece of content every single day, then you're, the chances of you getting lucky and the right person seeing it and yeah, posting. You, you create your own luck. I believe exactly. that 100%. So it's, it's the culmination of all the work, all the trips you took that didn't hit, that exactly. make the one hit seem like it's the overnight success. Yes. It was funny because I, uh, I was listening to, um, you ever you ever listen to This Week in Startups? Mm-mm. It's, uh, do you know the All In Pod? Yeah. yeah. Like the four, okay, so one of them has his, his own pod called gotcha. This Week in Startups. And he was talking about, he's got a huge creator community, obviously. And he's like, I'm literally buying out of space in uh, San Francisco or LA, wherever he lives, mm. so that I could just bring a community of creators together yeah. and I'll have like weekly 50, uh, 50, 60 people come out for like pitches. And he was like, I think the way I'm going to set, I'm going to set it up some kind of, kind of creative way where not everybody can get on stage, mm. but I'm going to give, if you have no um, product to market, you get one minute pitch. <laughs> if you have product market fit and you're making money, if like you yeah. have revenue, you get two minutes to pitch. If you're profitable, you get three minutes to pitch. Yeah. And I'm like, it's such, it's just the conclusion of imagine five years of hard work yeah. resulting in one extra minute of pitching. Like that's right. how the world works. Yeah. It's like you do all the work for this little extra luck or this little extra yeah. like timing for these things to happen. And it's just a matter of showing up so often that you're ready when those moments do come. Yep. Like you guys were there with cameras. You guys happen to be vlogging right, it right. And, and also have been like, you guys would have been the face regardless if you were vlogging it, yeah. but you happen to be vlogging it and that shit also happened. Exactly. Like you guys were ready for the moment. You want like the actual lucky part of all this, we're walking through the grandstand. I bump into a kid I went to camp with 12 years ago, who's eight years younger than me, happens to be running the Kentucky Derby social media. That's luck, but it's also... Because I've been creating content for so long, he wants to ask me how to be better on social media. So he searches for me, is looking out for me, saw I was going to be there. Like, it all is luck, but it's also not luck. So it's about expanding that luck service area. We went to 17 Monday Night Football games. We went to the NBA Finals. We went to, None of this stuff happened at any of those events. And mm-hmm. so it just randomly yeah, right. It's like how, me- how memorable are any of those? Like off the top, you, you right. ask an audience member, like maybe they remember yeah. like two things that happened throughout the season, been, but like this is a piece of content you'll remember for the rest of your life. Exactly. And, and that is that. And I only learned this because of, I went to the Super Bowl during the COVID year when it was Brady Mahomes and, uh, tickets were, were $5,000 to get in because there was limited seating. I went to Tampa for the week, you know, to just do Super Bowl content, even though there wasn't much going on. And I was like, I can't spend five grand. Like, that's a large majority of, like, my liquid cash at the time. And so I was, like, going to go back home to my parents. I thought, let's say I, this is where I was in St. Petersburg, and here's Tampa. I thought I was going this way. It drives me across the bridge pretty much, like, by the stadium. I'm like fuck like i don't know like i'm not missing brady mahomes right so i buy the ticket on the highway uh (laughs) through paypal through some sketchy dealer got the ticket end up on the top uh top of the stadium absolute top row uh it was so cold that i went down to the team shop when i went down to the team shop i uh you had to go through the club level i saw an open seat so on the way back up i sat down there and then because of 
how my brain is wired, I filmed the Gatorade dump on uh, who was the coach who won the Bucks yeah. uh, on Arians. And on TV, my friends are texting me, what color was the Gatorade? Because they, they cut some homes on the bench. So I post it. That goes viral, gets picked up by mm-hmm. everyone. All that shit is like random. But the, the point being, if I wasn't at the game, it never happens. So you, you got to put yourself in those situations. Now we're talking about the Kentucky Derby, front row, under suite. We're talking about the Super Bowl. But this stuff happens on smaller scales. Those, those are little things. Yeah. yeah, like you don't realize. And I say this all the time. It's just when you're a younger creator starting out, like I'm telling you, the, your first hundred subscribers feel just as cool as my, oh, yeah. your ten thousand subscriber because you're putting the work into to build those things up, and that's the same thing. Like, yes, those are very extreme examples of a creator who's been doing it for a long time to put themselves in that opportunity. But when you're younger, like you might get a cool guest on your podcast, and you're like, "This was all the work I did to have this lucky opportunity to have this exactly. one person." Same thing, just a different scale. But yeah, yeah that, those things happen, but you have to continue to show up every day in order for the luck to occur. Yeah, like if you're, let's just take a New York creator, right? If you're a sports creator in New York, you should be going around MSG every time the Knicks play. You don't need the money to go into the arena. Yes, more shit could happen in there, but there's plenty of stuff on 7th Ave, and you're one clip away from you know just getting to that next step. So there's free opportunities to do this stuff. But I know if you sit in your living room watching the Knicks game, you will never get that moment on 7th Ave if it even were to happen. So you're one, you're one viral Spider-Man TikTok <laughs> away from fucking exactly. changing your life. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was crazy. And we're going to Preakness in Maryland. When uh, is that? That's in next Saturday, um, which is going to be... Wait, that's next Saturday? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fucking crazy. They're, they've got huge plans. They're going to be the cream of the crop there, obviously, having won the Derby. And, and you just got to ride the momentum. That's, a, you know, strike while the iron's hot, as they say. What does that mean? Strike while the iron's yeah. hot. Like, what is the actual... Uh, I think, like, the way you forge a sword, sword yeah. is, like, you have to burn it first in right. order to, and like... I got it. Yeah. I could, uh, no, that sounds... Watch enough TV that right. it feels like it's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch all the Game of Thrones episodes. All right. Uh, that's big content for this week. Good app. A lot of fucking energy there. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed If you did, make sure you subscribe, share the podcast, share the video, all that kind of stuff. Join the Discord. Right here. Let's go enjoy the weather. Welcome, Mike. What time's the um? What time do you think start tomorrow? Five to eight. Where's the pregame? Pregame is uh in in the city, in New York City. So there's like a bunch <laughs> Your of way of saying I'm not invited. No, I I don't think we're having one because Hallie's gonna make me start doing shit for the party at like noon. I don't think I've ever been to an engagement party. Me neither. Is it? Don't is it? ask me. I don't know. What? Are we just going to a bar? Like, that's it? We're just going that's to a bar and just hanging? It. It's, it's open bar food with music. Can I bring someone? Actually? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue how this shit worked. I wanted to do, like, we all just go to a bar, and we, like, put down a bar tab for however. These these ladies, they've got, like, like there's signs, and, yeah, it's all. Do I know anyone there? Be K- Casey. Casey. Alex uh, will be there? No. Alex isn't coming in. Um, he's actually fired. Um, I'll talk about it. <laughs> Hallie, you know, Hallie. Yeah. Um, who else might you know? Uh, did you meet Abe? I met Abe. I feel like I've met Abe a few times. When did you meet him? Um, I met him at your snapback kitchen 
uh, yep, yep. intro thing. Oh, so a lot of people at, at Sandbeck Kitchen. I don't. I didn't really meet many yeah, other people yeah. there besides Abe. That was when I met Haley that yeah. night, and then Abe too. Yeah. I haven't really like kicked it with Abe though. Yeah. Well, we're gonna be drinking and pretty much the vibe. I'm gonna roll through. I like Hotel Chantel. So it's yeah. nice out right now too. It's I haven't checked the weather. For warm. Tomorrow. Yeah, it's yeah. a little warm. I think it'll be like perfect for tomorrow. Today's like actually gonna get hot. Been out all morning, fucking running. Why were you in Brooklyn? Um, <laughs> understood. <laughs> Got it. Uh, no, there's a, a, a girl I've been seeing. I went over there to hang out today. But before that, I was at an event last night. This kid that I met runs his own, um, seltzer company, but non-hard. Shit's weak. Shit's soft. Soft. Uh, no, non-alcoholic. Isn't that like soda? It's the, the, time out, time out. The target demo. A seltzer. That's existed for many years. Hard seltzer was the invention. So you're saying it's a it's a hard it's a seltzer. It's an alcohol free seltzer posing as a hard seltzer. Correct. That's the marketing like avenue right, he's right. going down. So basically, why? <laughs> no, like no. He 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 used to like drink a lot, and then he he cut yeah. drinking out of his life, and he found it difficult to like. Be at social events, you right, know, right. Uh, yeah, obvious yeah. shit. But he's like, he wanted to create a seltzer that was, it's not like to get people to quit drinking. It's right. not, it, it's, uh, the pitch is like to get people to drink, drink less mm-hmm. rather than drink, you know, nine drinks at a bar. Maybe you drink one, have one of these seltzers, drink, you know, have a drink, have a seltzer, something like that. You have a drink in hand, you don't feel the pressure to like black out and stuff yeah, when you're yeah. out. Um, so that's holds, actually underrated. Correct. Is, He's basically like making a market for like when people forget to have water or something. They, you know, they think of this drink. Is seltzer a Mm. replacement for water? Um, it his is not like bubbly. It's almost like refreshing, like a fruity kind of refreshing. It sounds like like on a day like today, dude. This isn't the seltzer you ordered to the office. That was a different. No, that was alcohol. I had that one. Um, How was it? No, mm, nah. Marketing is better than the product. We'll put it that way. Mm, Um, but yeah, he has events where he invites like a bunch of people and. You could drink at the events if you want to, but he has the seltzers for free and stuff, so you drink them. I had it for the first time last night. It was really good product. Super, super good. How many drinks to seltzers did you have? What was the ratio? Um, well, you got two free drinks at the event and then as many seltzers as you want. So I think I had one drink, one seltzer. I wasn't there for long, but yeah. it was cool. Um, and then I went and got coffee with him this morning. And while we were there, some dude pulls up and get uh, – this kid is kind of like uh, – he's like a – in NYC TikTok guy. So we're in the West Village where the he Seltzer comes, guy is? Seltzer guy, yeah. That's how he's like promoting his brand and stuff. And we're sitting there and like some guy walks by and Garrett knows the guy and they start talking. <clears throat> he's talking about opening up a new pizza place in the West Village. And I was like, oh, like what kind of what kind of pizza spot? He's like, you ever been to like Linda Shree in Brooklyn? I'm like, literally my favorite pizza place I mean, yeah. in New York City. And I've known that they were opening a new spot in West Village. Yeah. They posted about it like months ago. And I keep DMing them. I don't know if I told you about this. Keep DMing them, just being like, when when West Village? <laughs> Very, like, fantasy Twitter. It's like, when West Village? When West Village? And they finally got back to me, like, when we're ready. I was like, ah, oh, they're really? they mad, yeah. <laughs> they were uh. pissed at me. This guy is going to be, like, part owner of the industry, but they're having problems, like, um, getting licenses and permits and stuff to open really? the place. Yeah, I don't know. It was a long story for What, would, what would the BDGE slice be? Great question. Um Actually, we were, t- we were talking in the office. I've never had, I have yet to have a slice in New York City with fig on it that didn't absolutely mm. smack. It's a special slice in yeah. New York when you got fig on it. Fig, they always have. What is fig? <sighs> fruit? It's a type of fruit 
Yeah, and every fr- uh, fig slice I feel like I've had, they always have, they usually have bacon for a little bit of salt, but they mm-hmm. also have like something sweet, hot honey a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like fig, hot honey, and bacon is, is just a very special combination. That might be it. But I feel like I probably need to get something more. Um, maybe I'll put Reese's pieces on my uh on my pieces. pieces not even like cups that or... came out wrong definitely not pieces okay. no, cups <laughs> for sure. imagine trying to like eat a slice with reese's pieces just falling problematic yeah terror two awful textures spring together 